0: nfl football fans it is that time it is time for another edition of nfl football talk this is the final show before the big game super bowl 52 i'm your host charles e smith jr this is an inside sports production presented by humanica media and hey we're going to break down the latest nfl news and finally without any further ado you're going to get our picks for the Super Bowl, let's get right into it. As you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of only the very, very best. So here he is, the man many of you already follow on Twitter. And if not, you definitely should be. It will enhance your life immensely. Follow him on Twitter at Sports. that's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L. And then Sports, a proud graduate of Rutgers University. And my favorite East Coast intellectual, here he is, the main man from somewhere in an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California, Chris Laurieri. Chris, what's happening out there,
1: man? Charles, thanks as always for the introduction. If my Twitter account enhances your life, I feel bad for you. <laughs> Hey, you—you you wouldn't be how, believe how bad some people's lives
0: are. See, that's what I'm saying, man.
1: Oh no, I get that. Yeah, but I mean, if you have the free time to read my Twitter and improve your life, I, you know, I guess you really you maybe your life isn't that bad. But uh, you now, don't uh, don't expect any magic elixir from yours truly. I have to come forward with that disclosure. <laughs> there we go. Okay, and we won't get your take
0: on the uh, State of the Union address tonight. I know you were fully engrossed in that, uh,
1: really deep into it oh oh thrilled yeah actually uh i didn't watch it i'm more thrilled about roger goodell's state of the union address where uh he supposedly is going to revamp the catch roll. so much as i like to make him my favorite nfl whipping boy uh, at least they're addressing one this year so uh guyman i know you're a huge trey wingo fan like me at espn but uh i gotta give him credit instead of just lobbying softball questions this morning on the radio like his partner Mike Golick. He uh, brought up one of our favorite topics this year. The Sterling Shepard catches a touchdown pass, goes out of bounds, and so at least he's got that on Roger's radar. Yeah, that's true. And, you know,
0: I just, okay, didn't they just revamp the catch? Was that this past offseason or the offseason before? Got a symposium, and they were going to decide what is a catch and what isn't. They went through that. And now they've gotten back to the point where you go through a whole season, and now we need to redefine our redefinition of redefining a catch. Is that where we are now with uh, Goodell and his homies?
1: Yeah, since they've uh, improved the replay system immensely and gone to New York to kind of uh, streamline the whole process and in the process making it longer, I guess they'll take that same organizational approach to the catch.
0: Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, hey, NFL news, everybody. Now, as you know, the Chiefs, they had an exit, early exit in the playoffs this year. So, of course, when that happens, you have to make some major changes. So you fire the – no, they didn't do that. Ah, that's right. They got rid of their starting quarterback. Alex Smith goes to Washington and reportedly has a new four-year deal there in Washington, which means Kirk Cousins' days are numbered. Uh, What do you think there, Chris? What's your take on all that?
1: Now, what's interesting is they – I don't know if they made him the scapegoat or if they just feel that Mahomes is ready, but, yeah, it's kind of like the NFL. They're not addressing the real issue, and that's Andy Reid. But uh, I guess in in Kansas City, still held in high regard by the front office. The other thing – and I was doing kind of a double-take rubbing of the eyes when I saw this. It looks like Smith's four-year deal is worth $94 million, but uh, something like seven per year is guaranteed. That's unbelievable. That's like the – $99 Ninety-nine million dollar contract extension over ninety-nine years. If you ask me, so uh, good for Alex Smith. He lands himself another starting job, but uh, remains to be seen if we'll even serve out the life of that contract.
0: Yeah, that's true, and that's what we we mentioned this from time to time, although we don't belabor the point. But NFL contracts are just—they're barely worth the paper they're they're printed on or signed on, whatever you want to call it. If I don't like the contract as a player, I can hold out. If The owner doesn't like the team, the contract that he signed me to. He can just cut me. So I don't even know what they're actually worth. Nothing is guaranteed. The only thing that is guaranteed is your signing bonus, and that's only guaranteed, I believe, if you serve a certain amount of the contract. Uh, You have to be on the team for a certain period of time to actually guarantee the signing
1: bonus. Right. They have that ubiquitous uh, roster bonus. (laughs) So what they do is they cut you the day before so you're not around to – Collected on March first or June first or whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, it's true, and you know this could all present a uh, an interesting situation when we look at Nick Foles, who's uh, signed through. He's actually due a bonus, I believe, if he's on the if he's on the Eagles roster on February of next year. So I think we have that situation here coming up, uh, which could uh, add some spice to the offseason here, depending on how the Eagles do in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, definitely, and even at the, the team he just defeated, the Vikings, what do they do with Case Keenum? He could stand to make big money with another team and do the uh, Vikings promote Bridgewater, they keep Bradford. So, uh, yeah, you know, football fans, like the game may be over come Monday morning, may be sad and despondent, but the NFL is now almost a 12-month-a-year league, and the new cycle will pick up again in March with free agency, never a dull moment.
0: Yeah, that's true. And we look at the quarterbacks that are going to be available, though. Uh, Quite possibly Nick Foles, and then we've got, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to be out there and also Case Keenum. So it'd be interesting to see where they where they end up. I would kind of I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Foles possibly go to Miami, but it all depends on Tannehill. But Tannehill has proven he's been kind of brittle. So I think with those free agents out there, it's going to present some uh, maybe some problems for my beloved Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, and you figure Arizona, Denver, and potentially the Jaguars yes. be in the market, too. So it's going to be a lot of moving pieces in that QB area.
0: Yeah, I think, honestly, if I just look at the situation, I think Foles would fit best in Arizona. It just seems like, when I look at the way that their offense is structured, it seems like he'd be a perfect fit to just uh, slide in there where Carson Palmer was and, you know, he played at the University of Arizona also. So, hey. I just think he'd be a good fit there for the Cardinals. So, Mr. Kime, if you're listening, you can feel free to go ahead and start negotiating and
1: get uh, Nick Foles on your roster for opening day of 2018. You're like an NFL headhunter. You should get a cut on that contract. (laughs)
0: Okay, everybody. So, we're going to get into it right now, the – Super Bowl preview. We're gonna look at the uh the, some of the key matchups and see can the Eagles take down the Patriots or is it destiny that Tom Brady gets the sixth ring before the Patriots coaching staff uh gets basically scattered about the earth? So Mr. Lardieri, before we get into that, uh any uh you got some words of wisdom here for the fans out there?
1: Yeah, sure. A little bit of a, a plug, my annual plug. So uh professional podcaster slash nfl analyst but i do have a day job and my day job uh actually deal with uh investments and the uh the world of stocks and my firm every year we do a uh we're a quantitative firm which means we like numbers uh you know some people generalize it and call it money ball or uh computerized type money management but uh what we do is we analyze each nfl team and compute an internal rate of return per se to uh relative to gambling expectations. So we look at the money line for every team's game, all 16 regular season games. We calculate returns this year, the Carolina Panthers had the highest return. We call this an NFL alpha. And then what we say, like a lot of things in life, you have one great year, you kind of come back down to reality. The fancy financial term for this is mean reversion. And our thesis is that teams that have these high alphas in the regular season will revert to the mean in the postseason. So, We do a Super Bowl prediction. We've gotten it right 10 out of the last 14 years. We've been doing this this paper. Uh, Last year, unfortunately, we ran the numbers. We looked into this ESPN, had a figure that at some point in the third quarter, the Falcons had a 99.8% probability of winning the Super Bowl. And we start the paper off talking about that and how if it was a stock, we probably would have sold in the third quarter and locked in our profit. But fortunately, you can't do that in Vegas in the gambling world. So we lost that prediction, but uh, sometimes you can't take into account human error, Dan Quinn, etc. But uh, so this year, the the numbers have a higher alpha, a, aka uh, rate of return, than the Patriots. We say go with the team with the lower NFL alpha, the Patriots. And this is interesting: the line opened at seven in Vegas, uh, conference championship Sunday night. It has been bet all the way down to four points as of today. There are a couple books in Vegas that. Uh, only have the Patriots giving four. That's what we're going to lock it in as we say the Patriots are the wise bet given mean reversion. Um, Hopefully we're right. We've got a 71% success rate just from a selfish and professional perspective. But uh, I do think the story here is that the professionals clearly think the Eagles were the the better bet from a point spread perspective. So uh, I think it makes it very interesting. And uh, a couple other tidbits we pointed out in the paper uh, your team, the Miami Dolphins, and mine, the Giants, honestly, they had crappy years on paper, bad records, but in terms of NFL alphas, the Dolphins had the third highest in the league, even though they had a 6-10 and 10 record. Turns out they got the most bang for their buck with their upsets. They upset the Falcons and the Patriots, and uh, had you bet $100 on the, the Dolphins, I believe you would have had somewhere north of a 30% return, so that would have been nice on your $1,600 initial investment. The Giants actually had a return of minus 3%, but – in historical perspective, that's the highest return we've seen from a three-win team in NFL history. As for the Dolphins, that's the second highest return we've seen for a six-win team. So take heart, people. If your team stinks and uh, you wager wisely, of course, legally in the state of Nevada and potentially New Jersey someday, uh, you might be able to get a good return on your investment for your credit team. So uh, it's a few nuggets, you can find the paper on our website, aninvestor.com. All right. There we go. So, uh, well, one thing is Roger Goodell, and, you know,
0: Adam Silver actually started talking about this from the NBA, but Roger Goodell is now openly talking about uh, the NFL and gambling. And I think they kind of see that maybe this is a freight train that you can't stop anymore, and uh, it's coming around the horn. So go ahead and get things in place now to, as he said, he's going to protect the integrity of the game because we know about, you know, teams – Maybe being a 12 or excuse me, maybe being a 12 point favorite, being up by only 11 and kicking a field goal late in the game, which uh, I think happened in a game. uh, I can't remember the teams, uh, what team was involved. I'll have to ask Bill Belichick about that. But, uh, you know, interesting. I think that this whole gambling train, it's it's coming. It's coming. NBA, NFL, all the sports. But uh, those are the two main ones that really people like to bet on.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is, and now they they smell that proverbial blood in the water, aka money. There's too much to be made, and we all know fantasies gambling. Eventually, these commissioners will admit to that. But uh, I think what's interesting is you know stigma was back in the day. You had these point shaving scandals back in the '70s for that Boston College basketball team, for instance. But with the amount of money these professional athletes get paid, and even coaches too, for that matter, I think it's really hard for someone to get a hold of them and offer alex smith enough money when he's getting you know, 94 million dollars right. allegedly uh don't think they're going to be shaving points or fixing games but uh it does does bring to mind the the vikings saints playoff game and uh, who knows maybe uh mike zimmer had some money with the saints getting some points and he really didn't want to kick that extra point for that reason but though, though he'd be seriously serious but Look, we we were talking about this the great old NFL film Super Bowl highlights. I'm watching Super Bowl 25. Otis Anderson's running the ball in the old sombrero in Tampa. And uh, what do you see in the background? A huge Marlboro sign. And that was what, 20, 27 years ago? And it seems like a generation ago. And my, my how things have changed. And uh, I guess if, uh, cigarettes kill you and gambling doesn't let's let's show me the money right yeah that's true and you know it's one thing i hadn't really considered when i look at the whole thing of athletes getting
0: paid off is uh that's true with the salaries we have to look at the scandals way back when where you could bribe a guy with what two thousand dollars back in the 70s to to uh do something you know to throw a pick or fumble or whatever especially in basketball with the point shaving but yeah now you'd have to pony up well, you know, $50,000, 60000 $80,000 or something to get one game, quote-unquote, fixed, which still doesn't guarantee the outcome. So, yeah, that's one thing. Now, one of these things, I want to I want to talk about something that you brought up last week and we've talked about every now and then, and that is the pass interference, okay? And we talked about that maybe going to the college system. You said where it's a 15-yard penalty instead of a spot foul because now you have quarterbacks basically playing that you get someone who's tightly covered throw a back shoulder and hope that they collide and they get a flag but here's the problem is late in the game I'm playing defense it's a 15 yard penalty what's to stop me from just tackling a guy deep down the field when I know it's going to be only 15 yards instead of 30 yards here you are backed up to your own 20 you're trying to run a two-minute drill so do you think there needs to be some tweaks there
1: yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me, I was talking about this with my uh, brother-in-law, Steven. Remember when the NBA had all these floppers and, you know, Vlade Divac being chief among them? The NBA managed to do away with that. And I think, too, we need to use this sort of pass interference flop where the team just throw the ball up and hope for a 30, 40-yard penalty. You've got to do away with that. On the flip side, the other thing the NBA has done is the they flagrant foul. And I think that sort comes in there with the pass interference. If someone's wide open and, you know, he uh, – desperate and tackles him or tries to trip him or whatever the case is, um, then that's going to be a spot of the foul-type penalty. Okay. So I think there can be some gray area worked into the role. However, given the NFL competition committee, I'm not so optimistic that'll happen. But I think at least here in our little football world, common sense would prevail. Yeah, I think so. Uh,
0: leave it to the discretion of the officials, which is frightening, especially. Remember, Bill Levy is still out there, isn't he?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't. he didn't
0: abruptly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he should have been done after Super Bowl 40. And if anybody wonders, when you watch uh, any of those Super Bowl vignettes, like they show on uh, NFL Network during Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 40. Remember, that was Bill Levy who was behind that. And actually, he tried the same thing when the uh, when the Giants went to the Super Bowl. I think it was the second time uh, the NFL, the NFC Championship game in Green Bay, he pulled a lot of stuff then, but the Giants won anyway, so it wasn't talked about. But there was a lot of questionable stuff there too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And going back, I'm going to date myself back in the day. I know one of the uh, the favorites among NFC East fans as a whipping boy was Jerry Markbright, who liked calling holding penalties that never happened.
0: <laughs> All right, so here we go. Let's get into a Super Bowl Fifty Two. All set for uh, Sunday, February 4th. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots. going to take place in Minnesota. So, as we said, uh, Patriots are a four-point favorite at this point. So, it looks like everybody is kind of leaning towards the Eagles. Let's break down a couple of things here. And remember, we're going to pick just the winner, not picking against the point spread, just the outright winner here. But it comes down to matchups. They always talk about that. You know, styles make fights. So it's really about the matchup. you know, the front seven against the offensive line, the wide receiver against the defensive backs, uh, different quarterbacks. Remember Nick Foles is, ha- actually has the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback in the postseason right now. But, of course, Brady, all the experience, all the rings, all the glory, and, uh, you know, he, a, he even has a really hot wife. But, you know, a lot of them do. So that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I think one of the keys here – We've got to look at the front seven of Philadelphia getting pressure on Brady to make him uncomfortable. And then we got to look at the run game of Philly, giving uh, keeping the New England defense honest to kind of uh, give them to a chance to take some shots down the field without Sean Jeffrey.
1: Absolutely. And going back to the Patriots O-line, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there this week who don't seem to be too impressed with that line, but – I got to tell you, I don't see Brady getting hurt. I don't see him getting knocked down uh, as much as other quarterbacks do. And you look back to the Jacksonville game, once they figured out how to block that in intimidating front seven, uh, it's kind of like it opened the floodgates for Brady. And uh, yeah, we, we know he's not going to be a guy throwing a lot of deep balls. He'll throw over the middle, a lot of crossing routes. If Gronk plays, he's going to be a factor. So. I think just the what you'll see, too, is a lot of shotgun. Maybe they'll go some no-huddle or hurry up, and uh, I think that's going to try and combat the Eagles' defense, keep them on the field, much like they did last year to the Falcons, and wear them out. Now, that said, the recipe for the Eagles to succeed is to knock Brady around. Even if they don't sack him, knock him down. He does not like being uncomfortable. Um, I'm a guy in my 40s. I know uh, it's not as easy to get up when you get hurt or knocked down or whatever, <laughs> Get out of bed in the morning. So they're going to have to apply a lot of pressure, have faith that their secondary covers the Patriots' receivers. And if Gronk plays, try and neutralize him. But you know, look, it's, it's not going to be set. Total pressures. If they can get in his face, I think they'll be successful. Uh, over to the Eagles' receivers. Um, I, I think the Patriots' secondary, you know, they lose guys in free agency and they always seem to find guys off the scrap heap. Um, you look at uh, Gilmore last week, uh, a high price signing from the Bills. He kind of uh, was in the doghouse for a while this year. He ended up making a key play at the end of the game on fourth down. So I think that's an interesting matchup. Um, the Foles is going to have to throw the ball at some point. I don't think the Patriots will let the run game beat them. So that's going to be the matchup there. Will it be Nelson Aguilar? That's the guy to keep an eye on. As you mentioned, Jeffrey. Zach Ertz is always a threat over the middle. So, uh, the lines of scrimmage are really going to be prevalent in this game, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's true. And when you talk about the run game, though, with uh, they, uh, the Eagles, they just have a hammer there, I think, with running, being able to run Jay Ajayi all they want, and then LeGarrett Blunt to uh, come in, as they call him, you know, the finisher, and just come and pound this 260 pound body when. Uh, when defenses really don't feel like tackling that much. But Garrett Blunt, who was, you know, he was one of the mainstays for the Patriots last year when they won the Super Bowl, and now he's in Philly. So I do think that Philly, if they can, it's about them executing the game plan. And as I talk about with these teams against New England, and I'm not trying to slight the Patriots at all, in fact, view this as really a testament to their excellence as a football team. But these teams that have them down have a chance to beat them. You know, Jacksonville with the 14-point lead, they can't hold it. Last year's Super Bowl, uh, Atlanta with a 25-point lead with two and two minutes and change left to go in the third period, they can't hold it. Super Bowl 49 with the Seattle Seahawks about to win the game and the slant route right on the goal line. And we look at the only thing the Giants did when the Giants beat them twice was, one, the Giants didn't make any mistakes, and they had one big play in each game. And that's how they beat the Patriots. So you've got to play mistake-free football to beat them. That's the thing. Regardless of who's on your roster or how many points you get or how big a lead you have, can you play mistake-free football when it counts? Because the Patriots can do that. They can play mistake-free football. And that's my my uh, concern with the Eagles here. When you talk about Foles is going to have to throw, I saw him make some great throws in the championship game. And, I mean, he's dropping it in the bucket on a few of those throws deep downfield, uh, good crossing routes, everything. He was on the money. But if Foles gets jittery at all, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Eagles. So uh, on paper, it looks like the Eagles have a great shot here. I I really think they do. But there's just a few things, and I think the the biggest question mark, we know know they can run the ball because it's not like a running back is going to all of a sudden start fumbling in the Super Bowl, (laughs) knock on wood but it's about the quarterback being able to execute when he needs to execute. And if Nick Foles really has the ice water in his veins that he needs to do that against the Patriots.
1: Yeah. And I'm kind of skeptical too. I, I think Foles has had a nice run here and good for him as a guy who's bounced around, but him being the second coming of Jeff Hostetler and even as much as much love as I have for Haas. Um, that game was one because Otis Anderson ran the ball down the bill's throat and they, controlled the line of scrimmage and ate up enough clock to win that game. Um, Another thing, too, you mentioned when the Giants didn't make mistakes against the Patriots, they left just enough time on the clock. And there were both games. There were shots where Brady could have won that game, a couple passes get knocked away. But you leave 30 seconds on the clock, that's a lot for these Patriots. You, like, cannot – I mean, I don't know. They're like cats. They have nine lives. They're like Darth Vader. (laughs) When you think uh, he's out, he comes back. I really – I almost feel like opposing coaches get mesmerized by Belichick and start either doubting themselves or overthinking things. And you know, Doug Peterson's done a great job, first time here in the Super Bowl. But uh, the, the way I look at it, there's got to be that Belichick factor priced in here somehow.
0: All right. Well, you know, without any further ado, here we are in the playoffs. And, you know, the playoffs have been rocky and a lot of uh Hey, a lot of surprises, some upsets and things. And on, um, here we are, the final game. There's been 10 games played. I have a record of five and five. Uh, Chris is at four and six here. But trust me, we study football all the time. But these things happen. So here we go, Chris. Who are you picking? Uh, Patriots or Eagles? The,
1: the, Who you got? The Super Bowl, that is a moral dilemma for every New York Giants and potentially <laughs> New York Jets fan out there. Uh don't like either team. Um, nothing personal. It's just from a football fan. Now that I'm going to take that hat off, I'm going to be a football analyst here. Uh, at the end of the day, I do think the Eagles can give the Patriots a game. I think something important to note is the Patriots have never blown anyone out in their Super Bowl wins. A lot of them come down the field goals, a touchdown difference. So I don't expect that to be the case here. I do think they'll win. Uh, I think it'll be closer than a lot of people expect. At the end of the day, I mean, this may sound like I'm a simpleton, but... Tom Brady and Bill Belichick versus Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. And I know the Eagles defense has, has done a really good job kind of an underrated unit this year when Carson Wentz went down, they really carried this team as Foles got the rust off, but uh, at the end of the day, I have as a as a football observer, I have more faith in those two guys, but uh, don't count the Eagles out. This is not going to be a blowout. Um, if anything, I think the Eagles could easily win this game. If the Patriots do make a mistake, or like the Eagles did against the Vikings, they get a turnover and take it back to the house. Uh, they could just as easily win this game, but gonna go with the chalk and take the Pats.
0: Yeah, there we go. And you know what you said about Nick Foles, and and what happened to when you're talking about what might happen to Nick Foles is what happened to Case Keenum in that championship game, which is he, you know, the the clock struck midnight. And you could tell he turned into the, you know, the kind of skittish quarterback that he kind of always had been up to that point. And that magical run was over. And will the clock strike midnight on Nick Foles? So the, the Eagles have the stuff to, to beat the Patriots, the Jacksonville could have beaten them and didn't, but the Eagles, I'm, I'm going to say this with the Eagles defense and with that run game, being able to control the clock, if they don't make any gross errors, I think the Eagles win this game. So I'm going to go ahead, out on a limb, and say that the Eagles finally, a team goes into the Super Bowl, doesn't make mistakes against the Patriots, and the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Oof. That's it. It's I. I just think I think they can do it. They got to control the clock, not let the game get out of hand. If New England gets ahead by, you know, 10, 14 points, it could be a long day. But control the ball, run the ball, make some accurate throws when you need to make them. And I think the Eagles can pull this thing out. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going Eagles here.
1: Can't even believe it came out of your mouth. It was like you, uh, you a ventriloquist just controlled you.
0: Yeah, well, I may feel like a dummy when all this is over. So <laughs> <I> know. Know. <laughs> I'm going Eagles, folks. I'm going Eagles. Eagles shock the world. And then uh, next season, you know, this is going to lead to, well, Nick Foles, remember, he has some real incentive to do this because if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, uh, Foles is going to wind up making some huge, huge money somewhere. He's probably, he's definitely, he's not going to be in Philadelphia anymore. But somebody's going to be paying him thirty million dollars a year.
1: Yeah, he could be the quarterback version of uh, Larry Brown, Dallas Cowboys against Pittsburgh Steelers, some what twenty-two years ago. So, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's that off the rails to say the Eagles could win this game. Yeah, it's hard for me to go back and forth. I'm just doing more of the proverbial betting on the jockey here, but. Uh, Right. I know I know it feels unusual for that to come out of your mouth, but who knows? maybe that's a sign that the apocalypse is upon us, right? Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl
0: and if the apocalypse happens, you know there's a whole lot of stuff in my life that I would no longer have to worry about, so you know a lot of people fear the apocalypse. I welcome the apocalypse so that just you know a lot of things I just wouldn't have to worry about anymore but by the way n f l alpha's uh yours uh what was theirs? I didn't quite catch now. How are they picking as far as the Super Bowl goes? How do the analytics go on that?
1: So we take the team at the lower, uh, what we call NFL Alpha, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Uh, rate of return. And the Patriots are somewhere in the neighborhood of 12%. The Eagles, I think, were about 31%, 32%. So we say mean reversion. Um, in the regular season, we would say, oh, go with the Eagles. They, you know, they're, They've got the higher rate of return. But what we say is season over season, teams will get back to average so bet the one with the lower return even though they may not have returned as much during the regular season they will do well in the new season aka the playoffs Uh, we do this on a point spread basis so thankfully that line has come down a full three points and hopefully it works Um, essentially we need the Patriots to win by five points or more to be correct but uh, looking at last year they won by six they beat the Eagles by seven not within yeah definitely within the realm of possibility but you get a, a three-point game and we don't cover that bet and the Patriots win that stings on both sides as a uh as a pseudo gambler here in this case but uh <laughs> even you know doing the gambler's delight segment this year just trying to look at the game um I don't think the Eagles are that bad of a bet as underdogs I'm not as convinced about it but I would rather have four and a half, five points if you're going to go do that. Um, I know a lot of people going to Vegas, there are some 400 prop bets out there. Um, do yourself a favor. Don't try and parlay some sort of LeBron James total points versus uh, Tom <laughs> Brady total passing yard over under type thing. Um, one of the ones that always amuses me are the uh, ones to sc- who, who to, to score the first touchdown. Took a glance at this today. The uh, the Westgate had some odds out on this. And Gronk, it looks like yeah, – I'm guessing he will play with seven to one. The score of the first touchdown—that's not a bad one. On the Eagles side, I kind of like uh, LaDarius Blunt. I think was twelve to one. And sure, if they get the ball down there, they're going to give him the ball. He's a total—just got that. has that nose for the end zone when they get down there and the, within the time. Um, I, I think no, I know he's he's had a good season, and I know Jeffrey's gotten a lot more attention. Um, careful, he can get over. And he, he's And then, too, like for the for the Patriots, I know everyone's going to be talking about. But how about our old buddy James White? You know, he likes catching the ball out of the backfield. He scored the winning touchdown last year in overtime. Another one to take a flyer on. Don't hold me to any of this. This is just all fun and games. And uh, I think, in the grand scheme of things, like with investments, you should diversify. But um, I'd rather see you do that than waste money on Super Bowl squares like I seem to do every year.
0: <laughs> but Super Bowl squares are so much
1: fun <laughs> yeah so we're lottery scratchers
0: <laughs> okay everybody so you know what that's about it we're out of here uh enjoy the big game we'll be back next week and remember uh Hall of Fame they're going to announce the new the 2018 class on Saturday night we'll see if uh Terrell Owens is still complaining after <laughs> you know on Sunday with We'll we'll talk about that next week. We'll give a Super Bowl wrap up and anything else that might go on. You know, I know we forgot to cover the Pro Bowl, but that was on purpose. Now remember, everybody, every week this is NFL football talk, Inside Sports Production. Follow me on Twitter at the Inside Sports. You can follow Chris, follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's at C H R I S, the letter L, and then Sports. And for Mr. Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching, and we will see everyone next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl party.
1: Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.